Welcome to the Real Family Guys podcast with Jeff Emery and Trey Gibson, the show where education and experience collide to help you go deeper in your parenting. Broadcasting from Abilene, Texas, here are your hosts, Jeff and Trey. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Real Family Guys podcast. This is the show where experience and education collide. Glug, glug. <laughs> To take you deeper in your parenting. The date today is April the 29th, 2016. It is Friday, Friday, Friday. Our topic of today is drunk parenting. Are you doing it right? That's right. Today, Jeff and I are going to sit down and we're going to encourage you to get sloppy drunk all the time because it makes you a better parent. I'm just kidding, guys. We're going to talk a little bit today about parenting and how does it integrate with alcohol. It's a topic that is very seldom talked about. I didn't see a whole lot of it when I did some searches for this. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about what does Jeff believe? What does Trey believe? Really, we're all in pretty sync about this. But how does that integrate with what we do with our kids? Not just with alcohol, but also sex, drugs, everything else. How do we talk to our kids about these tough things in such a way that they will follow those things even when they grow up? Stay tuned for that here in just a little bit. Before we do that, some quick housekeeping. If you guys want to stay notified of all the new episodes that come out here at The Family Podcast Network, simple, easy way for you to do that. Just go to thefamilypodcast.com. Whenever you do that, you will see that there's a little green box about halfway down over there that says, don't miss out on a show. Whenever you put your name and your email address and you hit that submit dot 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 boom button, that puts you on a list to make sure that you get notified of every time we come out with a new show here at The Family Podcast Network. Here's a question for you. Hey, what if you're like, man, I wish I had... I have some questions. I'd love to ask Jeff and Trey to cover this. I'd love to be on the show and ask a question. Or maybe you just got an article you're like, hey, what do you guys think about this? We want to cover that stuff for you guys. All you got to do is send a shoot us uh, an email with that stuff in. It's simple and easy. Email us at Trey Gibson at thefamilypodcastnetwork.com or Jeff at TexasFamilyInstitute.org. We will take your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your articles that we want to cover. And we want to go over those things for you because we love you guys. You guys can also. Call us in, 661-PARENT, and the number zero. Again, that is 661-PARENT, and the number zero. Just give us a call right on your phone. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to go right on the show. Don't worry about that. You're going to go to a recording just like a voicemail with Google Mail. Whenever you do that, just leave your question right on that. Don't forget to ask your question very first, and then give me the details after that. And Jeff and I will see about putting your question on the show and answering it for you. With all of the housekeeping out of the way, Jeffrey, what are we talking about today, man? All right, Chase. So... This uh, this article that we're going to use tonight, man, this just jumped out at me and it grabbed my heart and said, wow, this is great. And then it stomped on my toes. You know, when you read something, you're like, ouch, <laughs> oh, wow, I really needed to hear that. So the we've titled our podcast Drunk Parenting, right? Um, and this article, man, it gets right to it. Um, but basically, it's it's uh, it's kind of talking about what kind of example do we want to be for our kids, uh, and and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So uh, you want to throw one back, um, not alcohol, of course, because you're listening to our show and maybe <laughs> driving. You shouldn't be doing that. But um, but yeah, how do we talk to our kids about tough things like sex and drugs and alcohol? This is a uh, this is tough stuff. Well, and, and here is two guys. We're, Jeff and I aren't going to push a particular type of way. We're not going to hide what we believe uh, as individuals today. However, it's not going to be, but before you make any, jump into any conclusions as to what we're going to say, hang tight with this today because today is more about the talking to our kids than it yes. is about belief systems of sex, of drugs, of alcohol, or any of those things. I, I think you guys are going to find the stuff that we're going to go over today to be valuable. I know if you've been around and you've seen DARE, Drug Abuse Resistance, 
distance education and all that other stuff. It's not going to be like that either. It's not about education. It's not about facts. We're going to hit this from a very different approach today. So hang tight with this because I think you guys are going to love this. No matter whether it's talking about this or human papillomavirus to your kids several years from now when they Mm -hmm. get older, this kind of approach that we're going to talk about today, it encompasses it all. Absolutely. Trey, have you ever played that um, that childhood game Simon Says? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah, we have. Yeah. I love that because it's so universal. Almost everybody at some point has played it, whether they played it in school or whether they've just gotten some friends and played Simon Says or a version of it. But for those of you who may be unfamiliar with it, let me just real quickly tell you how it works. Okay. One person gets up in front of a group of other people, and they give a series of instructions. Um, and they'll say, Simon Says touch your nose and then they will physically reach up and touch their nose and everybody else has to do what Simon says, right? And the way the game works is that you will, uh, the person up front will give a series of instructions of different things that Simon says in rapid succession and then everyone else is supposed to follow that or mimic it. And then suddenly he will, uh, the person up front will, will not put that phrase Simon says in front. So it'll be like, Simon says, touch your nose. Everyone touches your nose. Simon says, put your hand down. You put your hand down. Simon says, stand on one foot. Uh, everyone stands on one foot. Okay, put your foot down. And that instruction that's given without the Simon says is designed to kind of catch people. And if they do that motion without following the Simon says part, then they're out of the game, right? So that's how the game works. And it works so well because human nature is that we tend to follow what we see more than what we hear. Excellent analogy, Jeff. Seriously. All right. So I love using the Simon Says example. Like it says, everyone knows how to play it. And uh, and it's fun to kind of get out and to see how well you can match that. But my takeaway from that is that we need to be really aware that other people are watching what we do. Right. And there's a whole host of different sayings that come out of this, this phenomenon, this human nature. Uh, things like um, on – in ministry, I've heard people say, I would rather see a sermon than hear one preached, right? right? So it's that same kind of, right? And even in kind of a reverse way, I've heard people say, um, if they want people, if they know that they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, <laughs> they will give the uh, the ironic instruction, do what I say, not what I do. That's right? good, yeah. Knowing that people are more likely to follow what they do, right? Man, so so this article that uh, that talks about being the kind of example um, that we can can be for our kids was was a really powerful article. So first of all, let me just tell you where it's at. If you are if you want to track it down later, um, you may find it at a website called foreverymom.com. You can search for it on Google um, by putting in for every mom, um, and then the keywords um, how to help your kids make good decisions about sex, drug, and alcohol. Right, so that that'll get you to the article. You can also go to the uh, Family Podcast Network homepage and find this uh, this podcast. And in the show notes, it'll be there for you to click on. Um, but it's a great little article. Well, once again, I want you guys to open up on this very broadly too. Again, you know, we kind of hit these. We say sex, drugs, and alcohol, and those are those are very big topics and and they're important but I also want you guys to encompass things and we're going to talk a little bit about story with me and my family also even into things like obesity and overeating uh, because it, those are tough topics for us to talk about with our kids it's one that we my wife and I had to sit down and have a very long talk about this last week we'll talk a little about that, that a little more later into the show but uh, there's every hard topic that there is to discuss with our kid we need to be having these discussions with them and again this is the good this is one of the be- better approaches that I've ever read on how to do it. So the article that we're referring to today is entitled, 
If you want your kids to make good decisions about sex, drugs, and alcohol, say these words over and over and over. It was written by a lady named Amanda White. She's got a website, uh, oamanda, that's O-H-A-M-A-N-D-A.com. And um, and she blogs over there. But this is this is just a really great article. It apparently has been reblogged here on For Every Mom. Uh, but she starts off with the topic of alcohol, which is kind of our, our lead-in point here. And she makes a confession. She says, okay, I don't drink alcohol. Now, that spoke to me right away because that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, Trey and I said earlier that, uh, that we're, we're not going to – uh, sugarcoat what what our beliefs are, but at the same time, we're not coming at this from a from a judgy perspective because, honestly, trade. There's nothing wrong with alcohol. Nothing inherently wrong with alcohol in and of itself. Yeah, right to that. Um, however, um, I made a decision a long time ago that uh, that I didn't ever want to not be in control of my faculties. Right, and and I saw growing up, um, I, I saw my peers um, would sometimes um, partake. And I heard stories and I just, it, it never kind of had a draw on me. But at the same time, I work in an industry now um, where that stuff that you were talking about earlier, that DARE program and, and prevention stuff, that's uh, that's part of what I do. Uh, the company that I work for, we actually go to, into schools and we teach uh, prevention education, how to in, uh, enable and, and equip kids to uh, have the skills they need to not get stuck in substance abuse in the first place, including talking about alcohol. So I actually talk about this quite a lot, but at the same time, it feels different when I, I have to talk to my kids about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I absolutely do. It, it's one thing to tell a bunch of other kids about it, but when it comes to my kids, man, they're going to have the rough <laughs> questions. <laughs> well, you know, a, a little bit, conver I say that I, I grew up in a family that did not consume alcohol. Uh, really, my mom and dad still don't. My mom does a little bit now, but ever since I left house, but but they just, it was never really around and I got exposed to it some in high school, and I really just didn't enjoy it. I didn't understand how my good friends were drinking beer at the time, and and it was pretty nasty. But in my opinion, back then, and as I've gotten older, I, we you know my I, my wife and I actually uh, we do keep alcohol in the house. Uh, we do have beers, and we even have things like uh, harder alcohols like whiskey and stuff like that that we keep as well. And uh, so for us, it's become uh, it's become a, a an educational component for me because up until several years ago, I always I, I saw it as being just inherently wrong and inappropriate to have. I say a few years ago, we're talking like a decade ago, but anyway, so, you know, eventually I started kind of changing my opinions on it. And uh, so this was one of those things that came up because I didn't get any education on how to talk to, to, to mm -hmm. kids about stuff like this, like alcohol and stuff like that, because it was not anything I was ever exposed to as a young man. And so, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's another flip side to that too, that whenever you approach it from the, 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 the side of things of alcohol being okay, well, then mm -hmm. you have to have some some ideologies and some belief systems about what do we believe about it, what is right, what is wrong, why do we believe that, uh, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. And so it, this it's an important topic. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. So it's it's interesting that that you and I are are both um, we we resonate with this with this article because she starts off from the from the viewpoint of what you and I have experienced. I didn't grow up in in a uh, a. Uh, environment. My my parents didn't drink. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, my parents both came from families where there was um, where there was a lot of alcohol use uh, to the point that they, it was misused, and uh, there was um, there were consequences because of that. Um, but so they made the conscious decision decision not to do that with their family, and so it was never part of my family culture. But at the same time, Trey, I talk to people all the time who. Um, they had a different experience. Um, it was it was just normal. It was just what they do. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's what families do when you get together, and and that's where I think that the that, that talking to our kids about it, if we came from that culture, 
um, we need to be very careful because although we said in and of itself alcohol is not uh, an evil or anything like that, it does have the potential to be misused in a way that has a lot of very negative consequences. And so um, teaching our children how to be responsible with alcohol uh, no matter which side you come from, whether you came from an environment where it was normal or you came from an environment where it just wasn't present, it's still an important thing to talk about because the world, if we're not talking to our kids about these tough subjects, they're going to pick it up from society. Yeah, you can't turn right. around without being bombarded by the advertising mm-hmm. um, from uh, alcohol companies who want to portray their product as something that is not only – neutral they want to portray it as as drinking it as much as possible i mean they're they're trying to sell you something i mean it's all about money Agreed. but they're they're trying to make it um attractive and pleasing and uh, unfortunately i think that uh, that it often gets misrepresented so it's our job to kind of balance things out and help our kids have a healthy view of how to um how to handle alcohol Right. You, you know, I don't know if you remember, Jeff, but years ago there was a, a commercial that was out about, <clears throat> funny enough, speaking of drugs part of it, it was actually about marijuana, but you see this, and I think I've used this example a, a half dozen times on these, between this and Family Podcast Network, but you see this young man walking down the street and and uh, all of a sudden there's this lady trying to struggle out of the, the grocery store with her bags and all of a sudden her, he, like this kid's dad just, you know, appears behind him and he kind of thumps him in his ear and he says, son, you know you've got a minute to go over there and help him. And the kid runs over there and he helps the, 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 the lady out with her groceries and he puts it in her mm-hmm. car. He's walking along a little further and all of a sudden he sees this guy sitting in front of the meter, a parking meter, and... And uh, the, the guy's digging around in his in his pocket, and he's looking through his change. Obviously, he's not you know he doesn't have what he needs to pay for this. And also, the dad appears next to him, and he kind of shoulders him in the side, and he says, "Son, you got plenty of change in there. Go help him pay for that." Kid runs over there and does that, and, and there's a series of these things that happen. The next thing you know, this kid like you know he goes down into the subway because everything bad happens in the subway, and uh, <laughs> he walks up to this uh, the, you know these kids, the other kids that are supposed to be his friends or something, and they walk up to him and they're like, "Man, you want you want to take a hit of this?" And they you know they hold out a little joint, and he stops and he looks over his shoulder and his dad doesn't appear mm-hmm. and then he looks away and he says yeah and he takes it and he you know he takes a draw off of it and stuff like that but the premise behind that was there was no file when he needed it there was no file for them you know for him to access uh, a core mm-hmm. belief system that had been iterated so many times that it was you know you got plenty of you know cash your know, money there to help him with that you, you know, of course you know you got the time to go over and help that lady he didn't have that phrase that phraseology i'm maybe making this word up but he didn't have that whenever he needed it. And that's what we're talking a little bit about today is is that when we don't take the time to talk to our kids, to walk these walks with our kids, they walk up into these situations, they have no file. And when they access it, they've got no idea what to do. And so they choose most times. Now, correct me if you think I'm wrong in this, Jeff, but it seems as though most times kids will choose whatever is the, 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 the least socially upsetting decision that they can. You know, not in this article, Trey, uh, but to agree with you and, and to, to back up what you're saying, uh, I did read an article recently um, from a mom who is a parenting blogger and she you know, uh, embodies in, in her blogs a lot of the same principles that we talk about here on the Real Family Guys podcast. And um, she had a, a very open and honest uh, post that, uh, where she was talking about her, her daughter who she's, she knows better. She comes from a good home. She's got all the tools that she needs, but she went to a, a, a party with a friend and while at the party, she got drunk. And her mom was like, it, it devastated her because she was like, how could this happen? You, I know you know better. We've had, and, and so even when you have the talk, even when you, when you have that, uh, that the, 
that reference point, um, it's still possible in those situations. Like you said, teens will choose the least socially awkward thing to do. And sometimes if their friends are looking at them, even if they know better, they might think, oh, I can handle this or, oh, I'll just take it so that I'll look cool, but I won't actually drink it. But then they'll sip it. And I mean, stuff happens. And, and that was her point. Um, I might have to dig up that so we can reference yeah, that's, it. Uh, that's later, really but, good. That's good. Yeah, but that, that was her point was you can't be, even if you have this talk, <laughs> you, you still can't have 100% certainty that your kid's not going to do something dumb. Uh, you know? I don't know what you're saying. My kids won't ever do anything dumb. <laughs> that's right. Not, not my kid. What are you <laughs> yeah. So what, what's really fascinating about this, let's, let's kind of get into the article here. Um, so Amanda starts, uh, starts writing here, and she gives this confession. She says, I don't drink alcohol. My husband doesn't drink. But um, as an adult, even though she's not interested in drinking, she says – he talked to his 15-year-old son about alcohol. And this is the powerful thing here, Trey, and this is kind of circling back to the, the point of our, of our podcast tonight. Um, he's told me how he spoke to his 15-year-old son about alcohol. He simply said, watch how I drink. Yeah, that's good. Power for this, Trey, is not in the words that he said. That's right. It's in the fact that the words that he said were backed up by his lifestyle. They were backed right. up by his his walk. And so here we are spending a lot of time, and this is important. The, the example you gave about that commercial, we have got to talk to our kids about this. We have got to be able to engage in, in these discussions. Um, but if, even if we engage in these discussions, even if we're willing to have the talk, if it's not backed up by our walk, it's not going to have the same credibility. It's, it, it's going to fall on, on our kids in such a way that it's going to be a do what I say, not what I do. And that just, it doesn't have the same punch. But being able... What is it? What does it say about us as parents when we can tell our kids, "Hey, here's here's a a, a compass, here's a guideline. To help me calibrate your compass on how to behave, on how to think, on how to live, and and here's how you can do it. Watch me. Watch yeah. how I work. Watch my work ethic. Watch how I treat your your mom. Right. Watch how I handle tough times. Watch how I handle my anger. Watch how I handle my alcohol. Watch how I handle my leisure time." You know, it takes and this is where it steps on my toes, <laughs> because I'd like to say that I could say this about <laughs> that I'm an open book, you know, that I, that I could say, right. Oh, yeah, watch how I, you know, don't get angry when I drive. Right. <laughs> or, you know, watch how I don't procrastinate, you know. But honestly, it, even the way that I said that in the, in the negative, instead of saying, watch how I you know, get to work on time every day or watch how I handle chores at home. Um, I can't say that to my kids because honestly, Trey. I'm I'm not a good example in some of those things. You know what I mean? Well, I tell you this. You know, as a as a written example uh, of the, or excuse me, maybe I should say a walking example of it too. You know, we we when our kids were young, we instilled in them the ideas, the ideologies of healthiness, and we've never pushed the ideas of being overweight or losing weight with our kids. We always push just be healthy. And yeah, I'm gonna be really, know. I'm gonna be really honest with you. As kids, it worked. As young little baby kids, and I'm ta- when I say young, I'm talking like four all the way up until like about seven. That really mm-hmm. worked with them. All we had to do was tell them, you know, listen to your stomach and all that stuff. It worked, and my kids stayed trim as could be. And I mean, they just were healthy, and it was great. They, I mean, they had way better habits than their parents did because Corey and I are both just we're just obese and. And uh, and so like we were like all right maybe this is gonna work but progressively guess what's happened as my kids have gotten older Jeff guess what's happened 
Uh, maybe they're watching the the eating habits that you guys are setting. That is precisely what's guessing. happening. That is exactly what's happening, and they are slowly becoming more and more like us. And Corey and I had to have a real. I mean, we're we're talking a fairly emotional uh, powwow, a sit down, and say, you know what, that may have worked when they were young, but it's not working now. And we have a responsibility as their dad who pops up over their shoulder and says, mm-hmm. listen, here's what we believe about this kid. Here's what we believe about doing the right thing. Here's what we believe about taking care of other people. Here's what we believe about encroachment and not encroaching on other people's rights. Right? And as much mm-hmm. as we believe that, we have, fa- we have been failing them as parents in explaining what's the right way to eat and what are good eating habits and what are poor ones. What should you be doing and what should you be avoiding and so, it, unfortunately, the this is a hard cup to drink because sometimes, whenever we really stop and think about it, we have to acknowledge what behaviors do I have that I don't mm-hmm. want my kids to grow up with. And yeah. so one of the big steps is, you know, we always want to talk to our kids about what's right. I know I do. I'm always ready to tell them what the right thing is. But rarely am I ever willing to sit down with my wife and say, I have not been setting a good example for them in this. What right. do we need to do? You know, that... that- very real and very personal example that you just showed, um, I think is, is a great, um, a great way to back up exactly what, uh, what Amanda is saying in, in this uh, blog, because the very next thing she says as she continues this story about this guy at church who, uh, shared with her how he spoke to his 15 year old about alcohol, that the powerful message, watch how I do this, right? She acknowledges, yeah, that, that, that's great. But then he gives, she gives a little bit more of an example of, well, what does that mean? Well, he tells his son to notice that he only orders bottled drinks at a restaurant so he could clearly gauge and keep track of how much alcohol he had consumed, right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, and he gave him other personal examples, including examples of times when he had had too much to drink and then how he had to handle the situation then. And what, what really impressed her, and this is what, what you were saying just a minute ago, Trey, she says, I was so impressed by this dad to bring this conversation to his son before his son had a chance to wonder or experiment on his own. But here's the thing. Your kids are going to watch how you drink, whether you tell them to or not. Yeah, that's so good. Right? That's and that's it. what you were just saying. My, our, my kids were watching how I ate. Whether I told them this is healthy or this is not, they were still, you know. So what we have to do is we have to be willing to recognize that those little eyes are watching us. And that's we good. have to do the hard work of, of doing that self-analysis and saying, am I being the example? Can I, can I point to myself and say, follow my example, right? Um, and when we don't set a good example – how do we use that as a teachable moment as well? Are we willing to apologize and then course correct when we mess up? Right. That's good. Um, yeah. And, and that's a really tough thing. Um, so, you know, we started off with this kind of talking about alcohol and then, you know, Trey, you brought up the, the example of eating and, um, and later in the article, you know, she brings up some other, uh, some other things like, um, the one that probably stepped on my, on my toes the, the most is the one that's been annoying me right now. <laughs> I think I've mentioned it before recently. Uh, she says, what about technology? Can you say, watch how I, I unplug regularly. Watch how I rule technology and don't let it rule me. And I'm like, ouch, ouch, <laughs> ouch. That's good. Yeah. I missed that know, part. I missed that part when I read it. This this seems to be uh, something that, that's a, become a pet peeve for me. You know, I'm, I'm watching my kids walk around plugged in all the time. And I'm like, man, this is, I, I, I need to do something about this. And yet, you know, what's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, Trey? Yeah, what? Yeah. Get on your well, phone. I, I, I turn the alarm off, which is on my phone, and then I've got the phone <laughs> in my hand. And so it's part of my morning routine. I don't necessarily yeah. ch- check my, uh, my my email first thing in the morning, but, I mean, when I roll out of bed, I'm 
I'm checking to make sure that, that uh, my paycheck got posited. I'm I'm um, I'm scrolling through Facebook to see you know if, if anybody liked the thing I, I posted before I went to bed last night, or I'm <laughs> you know I'm brushing my teeth and I'm listening to, to music on. It's it's in my hand the entire time, and then I get frustrated at my daughter because she won't put her iPad down to put her shoes on so we can get out the door on the time. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And I'm like, uh, "Hello, uh, Jeff, uh, Mr. Hypocrite. Um, <clears throat> can we have a conversation, please?" I can't you know, tell that, you how many conversations I've had with my wife that have started out with, "Really, you're going to get on to him for that <laughs> tray?" I can't tell you, really. <laughs> <laughs> if she starts out with really the incredulous really with a question mark, you know that it's something that you do worse than they do. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and and honestly, that's one of the things that that we love about our spouses because that's what <laughs> we're supposed to do for each other, right? Hold really? up that mirror and show us just how ugly that reflection can be sometimes, right? Um, so I I guess the the, the big takeaway from this is uh, is there, there's even a, a spiritual component for me here, uh, Trey, because uh, and and she alludes to it in in her blog post here. Um, she takes it from uh, from First Corinthians eleven one. Um, the Apostle Paul, writing to the, to the church in Corinth, um, was able to say about himself, he said, follow my example as I have followed the example of Christ, right? It's, and she, she explains this a little bit. It's not about being fake perfect or um, saying, oh, look at me when all you let the people see is the perfection when I do it right. It's the even look at me, follow my example of humility, follow my example of uh, when I do the wrong thing, making it right. Um, when I lose my temper, coming back and apologizing and fixing things, when I treat somebody badly, uh, apologizing and, and restoring that relationship, right? So um, so for me, it's, it's that as well. How do I let my, my value system and my morals, you know, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be called to the type of behavior that, that, that uh, is outlined in, in Scripture. And how does that come through so that I can point to myself as an example, right? Um, it's 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 a tough conversation to have, but I think that if we start if we start holding ourselves accountable and and we're willing to have this talk with our kids, um, if I'm willing to tell my kids, watch my example, I guarantee, I guarantee Trey that when I mess up, they're gonna let me know. Yeah, you <laughs> know, right? and and I did I cut you off, Jeff? No, no, I'm okay. Good. Uh, you know, I, I want to clarify because I know a lot of the, the a lot of the listeners that we have today we've we've known for years, and uh, we've got folks like Connie out there who, who's just been listening for years and years and years, and so uh, a lot of you guys know us. But I know we're also going to have the potential for new listeners because this is such a a, a breakneck topic that I, I do want to be very clear here too. Uh, and I think I'll speak for Jeff. Correct me, I'm wrong in this, Jeff. But uh, you know, we we do want to delineate here that we aren't we're, we are not talking. You know, we're, we're talking about this idea of walk what you talk and stuff like that we are not necessarily talking about illegal stuff that that can be done right so we're not talking about illicit substances and we're talking about our kids uh you know in terms of how to use particular substances we're not talking about go out and smoke marijuana to show them how to do it appropriately uh again many of you guys already know that i have a, a, a kind of a sneaking suspicion some of you guys don't know us yet and so remember, like one of the things we're talking about is, is how do we teach our kids to obey laws that, that make sense, right? We want our kids to obey the laws that make sense and, and that are good and that protect people, right? You can't, do, you can't do that by showing them that. So just, again, I know that's a little extreme. Most folks out there that listen to this show, that you're like, yeah, thanks for that, Trey. But for the select few that are just hearing us out again, we're not making the suggestion that you go out and do illegal things to show them how to do illegal things appropriately. Okay, so except, this is not, except LSD. Uh, this is you not... can show them to do that. 
<laughs> this is not a primer on how to roll blunt and smoke a <laughs> That's right. right. Exactly. That's precisely what I mean, Jeff. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so um, when I read this article, Trey, one of the things I said earlier is it kind of stepped on my toes a little bit because um, I, I I feel like there are, there are things in my life that uh, that I need to get straightened out. Um, so that I can be the example that I want. But I think that's really important. And, and one of my other takeaways from this from this article was I don't need to wait until I've gotten that stuff straightened out to be able to talk to my kids about it. Yeah, that's it. Does that make sense? That's so good. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, this needs to be a conversation that that when we sit down, we, we can say to our kids, um, okay, um, here's the talk. I'm going to give it to you. And uh, then we're never going to have this talk again. It, it's more along the lines of, Hey, you know, I'm going to start a conversation with you right now, and we're probably going to have lots of conversations about this in the future, but I want to let you know that we can talk about it. And as much as I want to be an example for you um, so that we can walk it out together, uh, I want to let you know that, that, you know, my walk's not always where it needs to be, so we can kind of hold each other accountable. And, you know, obviously at different stages, I'm not necessarily going to have this conversation with my, my two-year-old, right? <laughs> but the closer my kids get, my, my oldest is about to turn 15, and uh, and even before now, but especially now, I, I think we need to be able to have these conversations because, once again, if I'm not talking to her about sex and about drugs and about alcohol and about friendships and about relationships and about um, work ethic and, and about finances, if I'm not talking to her about this stuff, she's going to figure it out in other ways, in ways that, that may not be healthy for her, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so, I, I I think as parents, we have this this mentality. No, I think as a society, at very least in American society, we have this this propensity to believe that if we talk to our kids about our failures uh, in the things that we feel we shouldn't have done when we were younger, or maybe still to this very day, that like we're going to taint them and we're going to increase mm-hmm. their likelihood that they're going to have the same problems. Research shows consistently. That that yeah, is not what happens. Not case. Whenever yeah. we educate our kids to the pitfalls and the perils, it does not inoculate them from it happening to them. However, it shows that they are less likely to do such things because they have us as a resource. And so they'll actually take our stories and listen to them, and especially when we open them up uh, in a very organic way when we talk to them, when those, when those conversations come and it's not uncomfortable and we're able to be upfront and honest, it has the ability to prevent those things. Now, again, Jeff nailed it a minute ago. That doesn't mean we're going to start talking talking about sex and pornography to our three-year-old kids, right? Uh, it, there's an age appropriateness to it. And you, we, I, I, mean, I, re, I mean, if you need to look that up, there are certain developmental milestones that you can go look up. But I think you kind of get a feeling of when you know. When is it time to start talking with our kids about these things? And uh, you need to be talking about your mess-ups with your kids and your mistakes. Talk to your kids about the consequences of your mistakes, the things that you wish you wouldn't have done, and why directly why you wish they wouldn't happen um i encourage people when you do that and have that conversation don't make it don't try to uh over demonize the things that happen to you kids have a tendency and a propensity to read right through that <laughs> they can tell whenever we're when we're hamming up the the consequences to it uh, and so be open be honest be upfront and that can be a great thing the second part of that is I do recommend, I'm using the word again ago, organic, natural, right? Find a way to make natural conversations occur. Well, that can be tough if you don't talk to your kids a whole, whole lot and give them that opportunity just to get into a random conversation that leads to these kinds of topics. It it can make it a lot harder to get that across. And so the reason why I I advocate for this quote-unquote 
pretty word organic relate you know conversations is that it has a tendency to make them more comfortable the more comfortable that a kid is when they walk into talking about uncomfortable stuff the more likely they are to actually hear what we said and then actually stick in the long term if there's anxiety if they're if they're stressed because they're nervous mm-hmm. talking to you about it cortisol gets released cortisol is really great for helping us cope with fear and that kind of stuff but it also has a tendency to block the ability to commit memory to long-term engrams and so it can be a very big problem if they're trying to remember this long term so organic organic conversations where we just started talking about something else and it kind of led up to this and that doesn't mean that we don't direct it some we may direct it towards talking about alcohol pornography sex drugs whatever else but you know letting those conversations happen i'm saying that because you need to be having organic conversations with all of your kids it's tough sometimes especially when they're younger but it needs to happen you know, recently, Trey, as an example of how things come up organically, um, I said at the beginning of the podcast uh, that I, I don't drink, and that's not absolutely true. I, I do uh, partake alcohol occasionally, uh, just not very regularly. Um, and uh, in my adult life, it's probably been on average once or twice a year I'll have a margarita. You know, So it's not that I'm unwilling to or, or like I said, that I think alcohol is unnecessarily evil. I just – I don't have a taste for it, and it's not part of my part of my lifestyle. But recently, a friend of mine told me that uh, that there was a a new malt liquor out, a, a beer that uh, that was really tasty and uh, didn't taste. Because I've, I've told him before, I don't like the taste of beer. Uh, I like sweet drinks, um, kind of fruity stuff where you can't taste the alcohol. And he said, "You got to try this. It's a product called Not Your Father's Root Beer, um, <laughs> and it tastes it tastes like root beer, but it's alcohol." And I was like, "Huh, oh, okay." And I bought a uh, a six pack of six bottles of, of this uh, Notch Father's root beer. Well, it looks like a soda. And so when I got home, I, I had to very clearly um, <laughs> make sure that my kids knew this is not for you to drink. <laughs> don't, right? don't drink this. And, one and they were curious because knowing that I don't drink very often, my youngest was like, Dad. How could you? <laughs> and I was like, okay, now's what this is that that organic. Did <laughs> I have that discussion? Where I was like, well, you know, Eleanor, this is not necessarily, um, you know, you're one, it's legal. Two, um, there's nothing wrong with drinking some alcohol. Um, what we want to avoid is being drunk. And for you, because you know you're ten, you don't need to be drinking alcohol because <laughs> your brain is still developing, and alcohol is a drug that affects how your brain works. And and if you drink too much of it, I'm not saying a sip or two or, or whatever, but if you as a 10-year-old or another 10-year-old were to drink a lot, it would have an effect on your development. And so we had this whole conversation, and, and she's <laughs> throwing all sorts of, of uh, you know, reasoning why I shouldn't be doing this or have it in the house. And, and I'm just like, man, so maybe I should have had this conversation earlier because she seems to have a, a fear-based understanding of alcohol rather than a knowledge-based yeah. understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's been yeah. one of the things that I really wanted to, to, to do differently because in my, you know, in my family, I mean, I grew up, it was a taboo. And so the taboo created an allure to it. And I wanted to know more about it. And so whenever I got, in, you know, we, we would go quote unquote camping whenever I was in high school. And what, <laughs> I mean, we did, and we, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and this is not an excuse. It's not a rationalization. It was wrong. We shouldn't have done it. However, we were very responsible with it. I mean, you got there. If anybody tried to leave, we physically tackled a kid who tried to leave drunk once. And I mean, we actually pinned him down until he refused to go or refused to, <laughs> you know, refused to fight us. And he stayed there with us and we're very responsible with it. However, 
with all of that being said, it, it was a taboo, and so there was a natural draw to doing it because it was kind of that question of, well, I mean, what's so what's so wrong about this? I mean, I mean, I mean, why are they trying to prevent this? Why are they not wanting me to see this? And that was a big thing that I wanted to to avoid. I wanted alcohol not to be a big deal in this family. I wanted it to be, yeah, we've got it. Daddy's let me sip everything from his hard liquors to his beers. And, and and really, that's actually been a, a phenomenal thing for us because I'll be sipping on a beer, and my son will come up when he was a young boy, you know, a little boy, and he'd be like, "Dad, can I have a sip of your beer?" And here you go. You know, he'd drink it, and he'd be like, "Oh gosh, Dad, that's disgusting." <laughs> you know, and then, and then so then it was like, "You want to drink him a beer, son?" Oh no, 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 Dad, I'm good. No, no. <laughs> you know, and so it created that that resistance. Now you have to be careful because then you get little little kids like my little Cora who walked up, and I remember I gave her, I was it was a Guinness, it was a Guinness, Jeffrey. And she took one sip of that, and I watched, and I, my eyes lit up, and I watched, and she goes, mm, that's good, Dad. Took another dadgum swig, like, give me that kid, you little turd, give me that back. <laughs> and, my kid, and that little girl, she at very least wants to impress me enough, and she never says she doesn't like it, and she'll try to go for the sip. And so I'm like, never mind, you're not allowed to touch this to your 40, <laughs> child. <laughs> so... On the other end of the spectrum, uh, as a, a therapist, um, I one of the one of the things I've learned to ask about whenever there's family dysfunction or you've got couples that are coming in and arguing about stuff is is to ask um, what how how they feel about alcohol or, or how alcohol plays into. And I've been I've been really kind of surprised to know that for some people, because they come from a, a different lifestyle, a different culture, that they don't see the the how their overuse of alcohol is playing into the family functioning as well. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, um, if there's some listeners out there who may be coming from, uh, from the other side of the spectrum where um, there was so much alcohol in the family of origin or they saw that, that they, have, they take a harder stance and say, hey, Jeff, Trey, y'all are wrong. Uh, we need to teach our kids not to do it at all because alcohol is an evil. And you know, I, I've known plenty of people in recovery who have, have – by hard, hard circumstances, come to the conclusion um, alcohol is something I can't have. I, I can't drink responsibly, and so I'm just going to choose to abstain forever. Right? Um, and, and that's where, where I want to I circle back to, to my takeaway from, from this entire article, just to kind of wrap things up here, is we're not just advocating having these talks with your kids. We're not just advocating you know, imparting that knowledge that we talked about before um, because that's only, that's only half of – of what we need to be doing with our kids. So the question we're asking is, are you willing to have these lifelong conversations with your kids, but also are you willing to, uh, to be aware of how you're, you're living so that you have the credibility that your walk matches your talk? Yeah. Right. Does that yeah, make sense? That's really good. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a pretty short and sweet message. Right? You know, we, we started off with this idea of drunk parenting. Well, you know, do we, do we want to do, um, uh, drunk parenting where our example is, this is, this is how to be a drunk or do we want to be the type of parent who says, Hey, this is how to be responsible with alcohol. This is how to be responsible with our sexuality. This is how to be responsible with our finances. This is how to be responsible with our relationships, with our emotions, with our yada, yada, you know, um, Honestly, I, I know the one that I want to be, and even though I'm still struggling to get there, um, I guess my prayer, and my hope is that um, that as we're going through this life's journey, that uh, not just you, not just me, but uh, but the readers uh, of the of the blogs and uh, and the listeners here on uh, on our podcast are able to uh, to make that commitment to talk the talk and walk the walk, so that we can be the parents our kids need us to be. Outstanding. I think that's all I got, man. 
All right, well, hey, guys, if nothing else, we really hope that you'll evaluate yourself this week. Take a look at the things that you're doing. Take a look at the things that you are becoming as a person and ask yourself, is this who I want my child to be? And if it's not, be thinking about how do you want to start walking the walk so that way your kids are going to pick up on your good habits. Stick that in your pipe this week and smoke it. Enjoy it. And uh, and uh, if you got any feedback or stories from those that you want to get back to us, we'd love to hear those from you. Uh, did you get an area that you worked on this week? And what were the results, man? Share that with Jeff and I. We'd love to put you on the show and, uh, and talk about how these kinds of things affect. It's one thing for Jeff and I to sit up here and to talk about these kinds of things, but hearing folks like you, yes, I'm talking to you listening right now, coming back and saying, I did this and here was my experience, will speak in volumes louder than Jeff and I can so we want to hear your story. Shoot that over to us. You can always email us, Trey Gibson, the Family Podcast Network.com, Jeff at Text Family Institute. It does not matter which one you send those to. We will get you on the show. We want to hear your story. Hey, hope you guys have a great day and a great week. We'll see you all next week.